The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message by Beth Coppage. The men went out, and when, where the men went, I don't know. Pursue them quickly so that you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to Jordan to the fords, and as soon as those who pursued them had gone, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us and on all the inhabitants of the land, that they are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our heart melted, neither did there remain any more courage in any of us. For the Lord your God, he is the God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore I beg you, Swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly with you, Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. And she dwelt on the wall, and she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward you may go your way. And the men said, We will be blameless of this oath, unless you bind, which you have made us swear, unless we come into the land you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and unless you bring your mother your daddy your brothers and all your father's house into your own home so shall it be that whoever goes outside the doors into the street his blood is on his own head we will be guiltless but whoever is with you in this house his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on the men But if you tell this business of ours, then we are free from the oath. Then she said, According to your words, so be it. She sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. And the pursuers who sought them all along the way did not find them. In the last verse, Truly the Lord has delivered the land into our hands, Indeed, the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Oh, dear Lord Jesus, who is worthy today to share the incredible riches of your face and of your word? Not I, but, oh, Father, we pray today your sweet Holy Spirit would come and break the word open to our hearts, this incredible, incredible passage of scripture. Let it be alive and living, Jesus, to us. And let us not leave this place the same. 
begin in me, Jesus, I pray. In your precious name, amen. This summer I was reading through Joshua. <laughs> and I came to this, I felt like God was leading us to study this fall. I have begun to give, begin to possess. So I got all ready to go into this, this whole book of Joshua that's dealing with how to conquer the promised land and how not to be like the three tribes, Gad, Manasseh, and, and Ephraim, who dwelt on the east side of Jordan and did not persevere into the promised land. It was the easiest way. The grass was green on that side of the Jordan. They were tired of wandering. They said, you go on and cross the Jordan and get all God's got for you. We've got enough. We're just going to settle right down here along this bank on this side. We'll go in and help you get what your inheritance is. But we're coming back and we're going to just stay here. Life is comfortable. It's easy. We know this side of Jordan and we don't want to press on. We're worn out and we're not going to press on. Do you know who were the first that were taken when the Amorites came to destroy and attack the people of God? Those three tribes. You know who was a, an... Um, absorbed into the Canaanite culture, totally, totally, totally lost those three tribes because they did not press on to what God had. And I think God's saying that to us. Are we willing to press on into Jordan? So I got all ready to go on into Jordan. And then you get to chapter 2, an incredible chapter, and he sends two spies into Jericho. But then who waltzes across the stage of Holy Scripture? But the whole second chapter deals with a woman. <laughs> and he said, I thought we were talking about warfare here, God. And he says, we are. But there's somebody that I want you to get to know. And the whole second chapter deals with Rahab. And she came from an outstanding family in Jericho. Her daddy was the head of the university and he had a Ph.D. from Harvard. And she came from a long line of crystal clear, pristine, pure, Puritan forefathers. And there wasn't a mark on her background in any place. Is that not right? Are those not the only people that God uses? Are those not the only women God uses whose background and credentials are all in shape? No. You have a whole chapter of Holy Scripture in the middle of a battle. A siege. He's preparing them to conquer. They're in a war book, a book of war. You have a whole chapter given to Rahab. And what was Rahab's profession? She was a prostitute. She was a harlot. And it's interesting how some of the commentaries try to handle that. But scripture is scripture, and they reiterate it in 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 um. In Hebrews 11, she said, you know what the woman who walked by faith, the prostitute, Rahab? That was her profession. It was a very common one in that Canaanite world. That was one of the reasons God was coming in judgment upon them because of the extent of their promiscuity, the extent of their harlotries, the extent of their destruction of babies and children, and the extent of their sin and immorality. But she had no qualms about it, and she was a harlot. But of all the people in Jericho, how many were saved? One. Everyone's heart was melting in fear, 
But how many took the evidence of who God was and took it to the place of believing? Only one, and she was a harlot. But she believed God, and God counted it to her for righteousness. And she not only believed, but she's in the book of James as well, 2.25, because she not only believed God, but she put her faith into action, just like we heard two minutes ago from Marsha Matnik. It's one thing to believe that Indonesia and the Muslims need to be led to Christ. It's another thing to pack up and go over. And so she put her faith into action. It is interesting to me, too, that you know the people of God must have been praying for these spies. Because where does God lead the two spies? The one, only one receptive heart that we know about in all of Jericho. And God leads them to her. And so they end up at Rachel's house. And, and Rachel takes a risk. The king finds out they're there and he says, bring those men out, Rahab. And she does what she's used to doing. She, has, she believes her testimonies over in the 11th verse and 12th verse. She believes, but has she perfected her walk in sanctification? Not quite yet. <laughs> she does not have the benefit of the Ten Commandments or know what it means to be filled with the Spirit. So she does what she's done all her life. What does she do? She just lies. But she's beginning the process of getting out of bondage into light. And she puts her life on the line. Are you and I putting our life on the line? She's putting her life on the line for Jesus Christ. And so she says, they said, bring him out. This is the king. This isn't the, this isn't the local mayor. This is the king of Jericho. What happens to her when she doesn't obey? It's death if he finds out. But she's a plucky woman, and so what does she do? She says, oh, and you get a feeling that she's lived by deception all her life. And there have been many people that have come into that house. I'm sure many wives, many girlfriends have come into that house. And she answers real candidly. What does she say? Oh, she doesn't make any waves. She said, oh, they were here. You're absolutely right. They were here. But when it was dark, you know how people leave and slip away through the gate? Go out there and pursue them. I'm sure you'll find them. And what had she done? She'd hidden them under the flax on the top of her roof. So she's willing to risk her life for God because she believed that God was with these spies and with the people of God. And her heart trembled, but it just didn't tremble and say, oh me, oh my, I'm going to be blown up. No, what she did was tremble and then she said, there's something I can do about it. If that God's the one true God, I can believe in him and put my faith into action. So she has a crisis of faith that produces itself in action and she identifies herself with where God's working and where the people of God are. So she goes up to them and she gives them her personal testimony. She says, I know what God's done in Egypt. He parted the Red Sea and you people walked across the ground on dry ground. I know what he did in Og and Sihon. Those people were strong warriors and you demolished those two cities. I know what he's done for you. And I believe that the God you serve is the one true God.
And you say an impossibility. But you know what God is looking for? He wants to be alive in your life and my life. So alive and so that he is giving us. We are living beyond ourselves. We have moved into a realm where we are living in God-sized faith. So that we are stepping out on an eternal God. And if we do not, he does not come through for us, we are going to fail. Is there anyone here who's willing to take a risk like Rahab did? Is there anyone to say, yes, Jesus, I'm here at Asbury Seminary with not a bank account that's going to be able to stretch. I live day by day by day trusting you that you have called me and you are able to equip me and enable me to live here with my husband and children. There are many of you in that spot. You've taken a risk for God. And I have the most precious news for you. By the end of this chapter, it's so exciting. She's just like you. She's taken a risk for God because she believes. It's not perfect faith. She's still floundering in what it means to walk with God. But God doesn't say, get your act together, Rahab. I can't accept you till you've got it all cleaned up. He takes her where she is, and she walks one step to the next step to the next step. That's what he wants to do with us. He doesn't come with condemnation like it says in Ancanopy. He says, I come to receive you. But will you begin to begin to begin with me? On my terms, not on your terms. And that's the clinch. That's where we want it to be, on my terms, God, not your terms, because you're scary. I feel fear with you. I am out of control. And he says, you are out of control, but it's so pitiful because you don't realize you're out of control. I am the only one that is in control. I am the King of kings, Lord and Lord, the sovereign one. Now you say, could this still happen today? Remember the story in Amy Carmichael of the little girl star Remember how she came, and she was in India. No one in her village knew Jesus. Totally Hindu situation. And she had a very rotten little disposition. Do you know any 10-year-olds like that? And she was mean, and she didn't share, and she had no friends. So this distressed her because she didn't want to be so rotten inside her heart. So she went to the aged grandfather, her grandfather, and she said, Granddaddy, she said, can you tell me in this plethora of gods that we worship here in India, can you tell me which one, is which one changes little girls' dispositions? Because I need friends, but I cannot seem to change my heart. And the granddaddy looked at her astounded. He never thought that thought. And he said, well, there's no way. You have to just always be the same as you are. There's none of our gods that can change little girls' dispositions. And when they're, they're cantankerous and make them sweet. And she, she mauled that over in her 10-year-old mind. And she thought, that's not right. And she went out and stood in her tamarind tree. And in her heart, she said, she sat there and she said, Lord, she sat there and she said, somebody had to make me. I couldn't just happen. And so she said, God, oh God, whichever God you are, whoever you are, the God that made me of all the gods in the, in the Hindu plethora, I am asking you, that God, the God of all gods, to come in and could you take out my mean heart and put in a heart that is kind so that I could have friends. And do you think it was any accident that within a couple weeks there was an ox cart with a bandy behind it and some missionary women that came through that village 
and one of them was Amy Carmichael, and she pulled up into that village, and there was a little girl that attached herself to her, and she heard the name above all names that can change little girls' dispositions. His name was Jesus. <laughs> and God did there for Star what he did for Rahab, the only hungry heart in a town of Jericho. The rest melted with fear, and something in her said the same way that it had said in Star's heart, No, I believe there's something different. There's not a single one in my community that believes this, but I believe there is a God who can make a difference, and I am willing to stake my life on it. Do you know the Christian church comes down through the ages with men and women who are willing to go against the flow? Men and women who said, no, I believe, even though there is not one in my community, I believe that God is there and he wants to be involved in my life. Are you one of those? So she gives her testimony. And then the beautiful thing is Rahab has incredible faith that leads to risks for God. She's willing to lay down her life. She spares the spies' lives. But does Rahab, you would think, a woman, a harlot, a prostitute, would be totally self-absorbed. But what do you find in this verse when she pleads with the spies after her testimony to save her life? Who does she stand in the gap for? Her whole family. She's not self-centered at all. She says, I don't want you to just save me. I want to come and stand in the gap for my daddy, my mama, my brothers, my sisters, my whole father's house. And will you give me a token that you will do that? So she is facing a Jericho, an incredible Jericho experience. What looks like her life will be wiped out. And do you know, and, and her whole family, everyone she loves. And yet, with just beginning faith in God, her heart is immediately drawn, not only to God here, but drawn to another and all her loved ones that they might be saved too. Do you know that is immediate mark of someone who has been touched by grace? That immediately when Jesus comes into our hearts, we begin to lose our self-absorption and God moves into our hearts and we begin to say, now how do we work so that others can be saved? And she stands in the gap for her family. And you know what I think the crying need in American society today is some women with the same kind of courage as a Rahab to say, my family and extended family is falling apart, but it just takes one. It does not matter what my past has been. God can cleanse, heal, and purify, and set free. I can stand in the gap that these might come to know Jesus Christ and not let go until they do. And so you find this Canaanite woman standing in the gap for her family. And she makes a pact with the spies. And they said, if you don't tell our affairs, because if you tell, you'll be killed and we'll be killed as well. If you keep honest with us, when we come back, whoever is in your house will be saved. But if they go out of that house, the blood will be on their own hands. 
he, they said, as the mark of that, we want to give you a scarlet cord and hang it in your window. The cord that she let them down out of the window. So we've got one chapter. She professes her faith in Christ. She's already saved two spies' lives, and she's standing in the gap for her family. An incredible story. Incredible fruitfulness. And so the spies go down that scarlet cord. You wonder if she hadn't used that cord before, but for purposes that weren't quite as noble. The spies go down that scarlet cord. And then an interesting thing about those spies, they weren't so macho that they couldn't take advice from a woman who knew the ropes around Jericho, who knew the terrain, and in this instance knew more about the situation than they did. And so they humbled themselves and received what she told them, obeyed what she said, and what happened? They got back to Joshua with their lives still intact. And so she, so then we find that she, according to your words, so be it, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. And you know, I was sitting there this summer and the Lord said, you could buy the scarlet cord in your window. We got one right down here on the Word. And just stand in the gap for those that you love. It only takes one woman to just stand in the gap so that all that God wants to do, God is free to do. In the lives of our husbands, the lives of our children, lives of our mothers, our daddies, our granddaddies, our aunts and uncles, our cousins, standing in the gap, just one. Now this is where the best is yet to come. When we have Rahab in this chapter, she's praying right now for Jericho situation. But what is happening on a wider scale, she's praying here, where many of us are praying right here for our immediate Jericho that's looming up in our faces. But what God is using is while she's praying on this level, and you and I are praying on this level, God is doing something on this level, down. So we pray here because we need to get out of a painful situation, a difficult circumstances. There's a Jericho in our life that we want God to set us free from, that we want our children and our families to be set free from. So we pray and pray on this realm. But then what God is wanting to do, he can take those prayers that are on this level and he can put them this way, down so deep, that then they move into this realm right here. Because do you know what happened in answer to her prayers? In Matthew 1, it, in Ruth, we find that she married, when she went with the Israelite people, she married Solomon, who became the father and mother of Boaz, who became the husband of Ruth. And, so that she, and she became the great-great-grandmother of David, who became the great-great-great-grandmother of the Lord Jesus. So that this former prostitute, this harlot, becomes a woman of a standing in the community and you reread the book of Ruth and look at the godly man she produced as her son in Boaz. There was nothing improper in him. There was a moral, upright, godly man. And out of that relationship you get a Ruth and a Boaz who stand in a long line that leads to the Lord Jesus himself. And you also, so that when you and I pray, we pray like our verse said, we're saying, God, save me. 
And then we begin to get saved. And then God, we say, oh, not just me. Save those I love. And then God says, I don't want to just save you. I don't want to just save those you love. I want it to go on to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. The decisions you and I make here today can influence the descendants as far as Rahab was to Jesus himself. And we have no idea what God has for your obedience and mine. She had no idea the day she hid those spies up in the flax and said, no, I'm going to break out of the norm here. I'm not going to listen to this Canaanite king. I'm going to go where God's working. I'm going to go where God's at work. That's, I'm going to go for God. And I'm going to begin to know God. And out of that obedience, the whole world was changed one little prostitute. Does that not give hope for every single one of us here? It's not in my credentials. It's not in my background. It is not in my sterling character. It is in God himself. And the promises of God to us, why do we not possess them? Why do we live on that east side of Jordan? Why don't we move on into the promised land? Why don't we get on our faces before God and say, God, there's a Jericho in my life. And Lord, I bring this Jericho to you. I'm sorry. Of, I'm tired of tramping around it. I'm sorry of living in this state any longer. I want to give it to you. And Lord, I'm believing not only for you to do something in me, but you to begin to do something in the lives of those I love. And Lord, I am willing to stand in the gap. And I am going to believe Isaiah 59, 21, that you will do it in my mouth, that out of my mouth, Jesus comes out of the mouth of my descendants and out of my, the mouth of my descendants, descendants. And that that Slewfoot intends to do to destroy and wipe me out, wipe out everybody I love, no, I stand in the gap in the blood of Jesus. Are there any women like that today? Are there any of us that are brave enough to be a Rahab? No. Do you know where we are so many times? We are too sophisticated. We are too pompous. We are too spiritual. And we are too, we will not be inconvenienced for God at all. And we do not run our lives according to God's agenda so that all God's got for us. You do not begin to know what God's got for you in goodness. You, can, you and I cannot fathom. And it comes out of walking out of daily obedience with him, seeking his face, and then said, Jesus, I stand in the gap that you, the enemy will not have his way in my life or in the lives of those I love. And if there would be enough women standing in the gap like that, do you know what would happen in American society? God could turn it around. Did every, any of you see that program last week on Dobson? The Dobson one on television last week? I, I, I didn't see the program, but I, I want to get the tape. I heard, oh good, I heard just the other day where it says they asked Dobson his tremendous power. They said Dobson can say on that 5 o'clock broadcast, say, write your congressman, the senator, the president, and he can mobilize more power and influence on the White House than anybody else in the nation at this time. Even Pat Robertson with 700 Club said those wives and mothers that are fixing their supper, they sit, call, they write, and they just absolutely stop up the phone system. And he said, how did you get so powerful? And they can't believe he doesn't want to run for president. And then the commentator said, you know how he got so powerful? He built his kingdom mother by mother, woman by woman. And there's a credibility in his life, and so he says something, and we realize, oh, that's the situation? 
And I was sharing it at supper with Billy, and Billy said, well, have you ever done that? I said, yes. If he says call, I get on the phone and call. I said, and, I, and, then, and one woman said, they challenged, one woman said, did you vote before you listened to Dobson? No, not very much. I didn't vote. But he said, well, why are you voting now? Because she said, Dobson told me that I can make a difference. Do you know that's not James Dobson? That is Jesus. Remember Jeremiah where it talks about 5-1? He said, I went through the streets of Wilmore to see if I could find one, just one woman who was willing to stand for God, and then I would not have to bring judgment on the city. All it takes is one. In Jericho, there was one, and God was able to change her life and change the society around her, get her out of that society and begin to make a new track for God. And that's what God's looking for in your life and my life today. Will you and I be willing to be that one woman? And let God begin to bring, build his kingdom in this place, in the state where you're from, in the country where you're from, woman by woman, life by life. That's why I think Titus 2, 3, and 5 is so important. Are you and I investing our lives in husbands and children if we have them? Are we investing our lives in other women? Are we investing our lives in the person of Jesus Christ so that everything we do from peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to nursing in the middle of the night is sanctified by his presence and is an eternal act of worship that counts for God? There's nothing new when I do if we are walking in the stream of the Spirit that God cannot use eternally to have it count for Him. Is that not good news? Is that not good news? Jesus says we're praying over Jericho and God wants to do this. Do you think she could have ever fathomed she, a harlot from Jericho, would be the great-great-grandmother of King David? That would blow her mind. But then, to think, the harlot from Jericho that willed to obey him with a little bit of light she had could be the great, great, great grandmother of Jesus himself. We worship a merciful, holy, loving, awesome God. Do you know him in that kind of way today? What's holding you and I back? Let us come today and worship him with all our hearts and say, oh God, let me get in the stream of Rahab's spirit and not be too sophisticated to identify with this prostitute that you filled with your spirit and used for the kingdom of God. There's hope for all of us. <laughs>